Hello, my name is Delmer Eldred, and I want to welcome you to an interview with Leif Finney, and she is the Director of Education at the Washington Policy Center. And Leif, I just want to thank you for joining me today, and it's great to talk to you again. Well, thank you for having me again, Dell. It's a pleasure. And Leif, you know, this funding of these schools has really become a, a, a an issue that needs to be looked at. And do you feel the taxpayers are funding a uh, failed education system? Well, it's an interesting question because now uh, in this calendar year, this school year, 2022-23, the schools in Washington state are receiving on average statewide $19,000 per student. $19,000 per student. So on a class of 20 students, you're getting quite, a, you know, close there to over close to $400,000 per student per classroom and uh, the teacher costs about $120,000. So where's all that other money going? Uh, and it's, it's not giving us the results that we've been promised by the system. I mean, in Washington state, you realize that the test scores that we, that the students take every spring on the smarter balance test in the spring show that we have never exceeded uh, 50% passing for math or 60% passing for English. Right now, only about uh, 32% are passing in math and only 50% are passing in English. That's a, that's, these are deplorable results. It shows that we are not preparing students with the reading and math and science content and history content they need to know to succeed in our competitive world today. So it's, it's $19,000 per student, and the students are not getting what they are been promised. 20% drop out. Those who actually graduate, half of them drop out of, you know, those who actually graduate and get into higher education institutions, half of them drop out because they have not been adequately prepared for success in college. So we should really be thinking about where's all this money going? Why are we not getting the results we've been promised? Why are our children being being uh, set forth in the world without with, without the tools they need to succeed? This is the most important function of government. That is to educate the next generation. Yet we're not putting uh, we're not putting up the mirror to look at ourselves. What are we doing? Why aren't we helping our kids get ahead? Well, Liv, just kind of go along with exactly what you just said. So there's no correlation between the uh, amount of increases that we're seeing constantly in the educational uh, budget and the, the educational outcomes, right? Well, yes, there is no correlation between funding the public schools and the outcomes. And that just stands to reason. I mean, if you just think about it, if you, if you take a system that is a, a heavily bureaucratic, controlled by unions, and you give the system more money, uh, everyone in the system just gives itself a pay increase. And you don't create a, a way of, of uh, weeding out the teachers that are not effective at teaching students. You know, teachers basically have lifetime tenure. After three years in the classroom, you can't fire a bad teacher. This has a, an important, you know, this has a downstream effect, a de detrimental effect on the education of the children, you know, writ large. Uh, so we have a, most teachers are just fine 
Uh, some are excellent in our system, but we have a certain percentage that are not good and they should be removed from the classroom so they don't damage the, the their lifetime project you know the, the the lifetime opportunities that children are given uh, or denied because they did not have did not have an effective teacher so here we have a system with all these um, restraints uh, to delivering an effective teacher to children in every every year of their school lives we don't we cannot do that because of self-imposed restraints and then we give the system more money and we see these results that are in, that are embarrassing. Seriously, Washington State can't seem to educate children in math. Only half fail the state test, at least half, if not more than half. This year, they 60, 62% failed. So th we, we have to be serious about what we're doing. The children are hurting, and um, no wonder that people are voting down these bonds. I, I'm not surprised. Well, in your article, there was, uh, what was there, five five different school districts that uh, let the school know that they aren't going to keep funding them at, at an endless amount of taxpayer money, right? Yes, there were five school bond measures on the April 25th ballot, and five out of five failed because voters did not uh, vote in sufficient numbers to pass them. And the, those, of course, in the special elections when the voter turnout is very low and these these school staff can turn out in force and swing the election in their favor, but they weren't even able to do that this time. So it tells you that something is afoot, that, that uh, there are all these bad uh, in, in articles about the failure of the public schools to educate the kids, about the new uh, tendency to put in uh, racist and harmful ideas in the schools by indoctrinating children with critical race theory and these worries about radical gender theory being taught to very young children in our schools, pornographic books being put in our libraries. I mean, this is going to have an impact on whether people approve school bond measures on the ballot. Well, Liv, I know you are uh, have been for uh, quite some time, you know, uh, letting people know about the advantages of uh, vouchers and scholarships that a lot, a lot of these other states have put in. And, you know, also, wouldn't that be, uh, be able for the state to reduce the amount of money they spend on education if they had school choice? Absolutely. School choice, number one, it, let's define what it is. School choice is our, our laws that are passed uh, by the state legislature, which give families access to public dollars so they can homeschool or pay private school tuition. So parents can choose a private school if that's the best fit for their child. And now all the studies show that this has a an improvement in the education that the children get if they benefit from the, if they take advantage of a school choice program, uh, those children do better in school. They graduated higher rates from high school. They, they last longer in college. All the children that benefit from these school choice policies, they do better. The research shows this, but the research also shows that the, that in, in uh, districts with enough school choice, the children who are are left behind in the traditional public schools, they benefit also because the traditional public schools rise to the occasion. They don't want the families to leave their district, so they improve themselves from within and they, they get rid of that bad teacher. They do a better program after school for helping kids catch up in learning or whatever. And so 
school choice has a beneficial impact on the output of the traditional school. But also, as you mentioned, school choice saves money for the entire system because school choice policies always give less money uh, than the state actually receives for the education of a child. So, for example, in Washington state, we had several bills introduced. One actually got a hearing this session that would have given families an education savings account with $11,000 that the state provides um, for the education of that child. And the parents could use $11,000 to pay private school tuition. Now, the state provides close to $13,000 uh, per child. So that difference of 2000 the state would keep. And the local levy dollars would also stay in the system. So the so so it would save money. It would uh, school choice would save money for the system. Give actually get more. So 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 only a portion of the money that the taxpayers provide to educate each child would actually leave with the child, and the rest would stay. You see what I'm saying? Right. So it saves money. Um, the of course there are all kinds of myths put out about you know the fear mongering by opponents of school choice will say oh this will drain dollars for the public school system. Well, in fact, every school choice law that has been passed uh, is accompanied with additional dollars for the traditional school. So that's just a lie. It's not true. Uh, School choice actually delivers more dollars to the traditional schools, both through the program itself and also because lawmakers are very concerned about making sure that the traditional schools have more money. And so that's, that's just an Un, that's just an irrational fear. And, um, you know, Dell, there are countries across the world that offer school choice to families and their school system has still operates with plenty of money. It just just families are, are respected for uh, the role that they play in deciding what's best for their children in these other countries like the Netherlands. I think it's the, the, the number of I think the number is very high in the Netherlands, for example. Over 50% of families use public dollars to send their kids to private schools, even private religious schools. And Sweden has a voucher program. Norway does. Britain does. France does. There are a lot of countries uh, across the world respect the role of parents in educating children, and they allow parents access to public dollars to send their kids to private schools if that is what the parent thinks is best for the child. Well, actually, you know, the the private schools, I mean, uh, competition is the only way that we're going to improve the public's education. When, these, when they have to compete for the dollars and the students, that's when the education in the public schools is going to get better. Absolutely right. I mean, it's so interesting to, to see the experience of charter schools in Washington state. You know how they differentiated themselves from traditional schools, many charter schools in Washington state. These are public schools. They must attract people, parents. They must they must uh, convince a parent to pull their kid out of the traditional public school to send their kid to the charter school. These these charter schools offer more school days, like 10 days more school a year than traditional schools. And they offer uh all kinds of additional supports to the children in public charter schools so that they can attract the dollars. And that that's how you see the market playing out right there, that the that when you allow the money to go with the choice of the family to the school of choice, then that school is is going to offer 
good things to attract that money. And it, if in, in and the research has also shown in, in states, not in Washington, but in other states where there are lots and lots of charter schools, uh, where there's the majority of, of schools are actually charter schools, you will see the traditional schools up their game to keep up with the with what the programs that the charter schools are offering. It's very interesting. Well, you know, the and the thing is, it's just like a lot of the students that are graduating right now have not had a, a basic education in the history of our country or have no idea how the political system in this country works. And that's really, I mean, these are the people that are going to be voting and holding positions in the state and federal government, you know. So. It's, it's so worrisome. There was just... This is such a good point, Dell. That that the there was a recent uh, story about the a national test called the NAEP, the National Assessment of Educational Progress, that was given to eighth graders in social in U.S. history and social studies, and only 13% of the eighth graders passed the U.S. history test, which tells you that there is a real problem in the teaching of the basic uh, history of our country, civics and history. Has have been given a short shrift in our public schools, and that's why the kids don't know. <laughs> and and so there are a lot of people trying to correct this problem, but the best way to do that is to expand uh, school choice because then you could create new schools that are actually teaching what kids need to know to make a, a, a democracy function. I mean, I have heard about a lot of uh, misinformation out there about uh, what people fail to understand about our democracy, and that's because of the public schools. Well, you know, you know the uh, actually, I feel the state superintendent has, has done a lot to destroy learning. I mean, he keeps lowering the bar just to make the results look better. And, I mean, uh, that is destructive education as far as I'm concerned. I agree with that. I think that to lower the bar is a uh, disservice uh, to the taxpayers of Washington State and especially to the children. He's lowered the bar for graduation. He's lowered the bar on uh, he's trying to get rid of tests. He, he said he said so and then then denied that he was trying to get get rid of the test, the state test. Um, I, and that's the problem. That's what, what a monopoly system will do when put under pressure. And that's why uh, fixing the basic problem is so important. The, the problem of public education is that it is a government monopoly. And the way to correct that feature, and, and the reason why it, it um, tries to lower the bar, for example, when put under pressure for accountability, is because that's that's what it will do. It will protect itself. There's, there's no, you know, it has the power to do that, like to lower the bar on graduation rates and, and re graduation requirements as he did during COVID. He just removed all graduation uh, requirements. And so there's a whole bunch of kids that were graduated during COVID that were not prepared for the world ahead because these, because the requirements were relaxed. And so, so this is how a, a government monopoly will will behave and that's why when you create school choice like Dell have you heard you know yesterday Oklahoma passed a universal school choice uh, law in oh. the state of Oklahoma and that makes it the ninth state in the country in the last two years to pass 
broad-based universal, uh, broad-based school choice to, to to most of the people in their states, which means that the number of children eligible for school choice money to go to private school has ballooned by 400% in the last two years. And this is this is something that has happened in response to COVID because the public was fed up by seeing the schools closed much longer than they needed to be to keep the kids safe because the kids were not pushing, were not, uh, you know, it, it was proven by scientists that, that, that schools were not a place where the COVID was spreading, yet, this, yet the union kept the schools closed much longer than they should have, and the kids were hurt, and the kids have had permanent long-term damage as a result of not getting two years of instruction. And so the public is just responding by saying, what are we going to do? And in, st- in the states of Oklahoma, in Iowa, in Indiana, in Florida, Arizona, Utah, Arkansas, South Carolina, and maybe now even North Carolina and Oklahoma, like I told you, um, have passed broad-based school choice, letting families out, giving them an option to a public school system that is not serving its needs. It's super exciting. Well, Liv, you and uh, there's other groups, I mean, uh, uh, parents' rights and education and concerned citizens that you work with have been pushing and pushing for the school choice. And, uh, you know, I mean, the legislature, I think, is starting to get the message a little bit. And I think this next year, if people will push a little harder, a little get a hold of each and every one of these uh, legislators and let them know that this is a way that we want our kids educated, that maybe we can get this school choice done next year. It'd be it'd be great if we could. It would be terrific. There were three bills introduced in the legislative session this year by Representative Carolyn Eslick and Representative Jim Walsh and Representative Rood and, and Stokesbury, all Republicans, all introducing school choice bills, all blocked by Democrats in the state legislature. And I do think the time is now because of the reaction of the public to the COVID school shutdowns caused by the unions, extended by the unions many months longer than they should have been and their damage to children and their academic learning, permanent damage, long-term damage. Uh, this is this is causing the public to say, wait one minute here. We are paying high property taxes, high state sales taxes to fund the system of schools, and we're not getting what we were promised from this system. And we demand an alternative. And alternatives are the way to go. Choice, giving families choice, will introduce a whole new flourishing of different education forms, you know, uh, uh, independent schools that are uh, meeting kids where their interests lie. Uh, I keep hearing about these learning pods. I keep hearing about micro schools propping up. I hear about new Montessori schools. I hear about schools focusing on STEM and the arts. And if, 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 uh, the money is released to families. They will come up and educators and the, all the creative educators we have, they will come up with new ways to educate children that interest the children, that make them succeed and prepare them for the world ahead. And I, th- I think this is an extremely exciting time in education because of this. So out of the darkness of COVID, something very bright has come right on the horizon and it is in the it's a school choice and it, it's just tremendous Dell. i mean 
I just I think about all the hours I sat in a one size fits all classroom and you sat and all the rest of us, you know, given a standardized program. The schools were designed to prepare factory workers for, you know, to, to create to 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 put us all on a factory line uh, to work in the factory. And we are not factory workers. We're all this is a knowledge based information based economy where creativity and our minds and all of our things we can produce with with our great ingenuity um, is 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 most important for us to succeed and compete in the world in the global economy. And so we we need a system of schools that allows this kind of flourishing to happen. And it's going to happen through school choice. Well, you know, it's just like and I'm sure you went through it, too, but. And when I was in school, the teacher, I mean, I can hear it today because it wasn't just one teacher and it was class after class. What what are you going to do if you don't get an education? How are you going to support your family? I mean, you know, oh. that was that was said so yeah. many times, you know. So Yeah. No, and me too. I mean, the, the way out of, you know, subsistence living is is an education. And uh, getting, uh, acquiring skills that allow you to give back to, the, to your community in a substantive way, that requires getting an education. And I don't know that the kids in the schools today are getting that. I think they're getting a lot of other uh, ideas that are harmful. When you see so much darkness in the schools now, all this negative talk about, uh, you know, I'm particularly upset about the, the the uh, introduction of critical race theory in the content of the school program. Okay, that is happening in Washington State, where kids are being told that America is a terrible country, it's colonialist, the white supremacists are in charge. If you're a minority student, you can't get ahead. If you're a white student, you're by definition a racist. I mean, how ridiculous and how how false and how damaging and harmful to children. And how can teachers actually promulgate this stuff? It's garbage. And yet it's in the schools. And this is part of the reason why families are voting down school bond measures and why, you know, Dell, 43, the families of 43,000 children have pulled their kids out of Washington state public schools. That's the size of the, that's as many children as in, is in the second largest district in our state. That's a lot. That's 4% of the total. That's a lot of children. A lot of dissatisfied families have said, forget this. These schools are not doing what I expect them to do for my children. Instead, I'm going to homeschool or I'm going to pay expensive private school tuition. That is not right that, that uh, these families have had to pull their kids out and they should be helped. We should be giving them money so they can off, so we can, so the public helps them offset the cost of the homeschooling and the cost of private school tuition. If if the public schools are not delivering what parents want, then they should be getting public support to educate their children themselves. That's only fair because, I mean, if you look at the Constitution, the the paramount duty of the state is to provide for the education of every child, to make ample provision, whichever way, not necessarily through the government system, whichever way. OK, it doesn't say whichever way in the Constitution, but that's what was intended Ample provision was intended to give many choices, not just a lot of money. And that's unfortunately the way we've got, we've interpreted that provision. And that's just too narrow. Education is broad. Every education is beautiful. It's, it's, uh, there's no limit to what the human mind can do. 
Now we need to be much more uh, inclusive and, and creative in, in the way we approach the, the challenge of educating our brilliant children. Well, Liv, it's just, um, you know, like a lot of the comments and in your uh, articles and stuff, and if you condensed it down, the one theme is what are we paying for if we're not giving our students the learning tools they need for the future, you know? I mean, and that's where we're, the public schools are failing, and they're failing more and more each year. They've become distracted from their central mission of educating children in reading, writing, history, and science. They've become distracted. And they have, have access to so much money that they've hired non-teachers much faster than they've hired teachers. So I feel badly for the teachers in the public school system because they, they deserve actually more support than they're getting. Uh, because what's happened is, you know, with these huge budgets, uh, the, these school administrators have created these, these uh, bureaucratic, you know, strongholds full of people that never see a child. You should see here in Seattle, they have a building just down the street from where I work, well, you know, where thousands of people work in the central office and they never see a child. They, yet, they get, yet they collect a very good pay. <laughs> well, yes. Liv, I, I just uh, I really want to thank you for being with me today. And, uh, you know, I appreciate so much the work that you're doing. And you keep moving, keep moving us closer to the goalpost of uh, getting school choice every uh, legislative session. And that's, uh, I appreciate your work in doing that. And that's, uh, yeah, it's helping the future I mean, our most precious resources is the, yes. is the students, are the youth of America. And uh, that's, yes. what, that's who you are trying to help, and I just think that's great. That's, thank you, Della. And I know you share the same values I do, and I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. Okay, well, we've been talk, uh, talking to... Uh, hey, Liv, would you give people uh, how they can get a hold of you first? Yes, you could. I work at the Washington Policy Center in Seattle, and my uh, email address is L F S and Frank I N N E at WashingtonPolicy.org. And you can also reach me at our telephone number, which is 206 937 9691. Okay, Liv. Well, we've been talking to Liv Finney. She is the Director of Education at the Washington Policy Center, and I just really appreciate you being here today and taking the time to talk to us. It's my pleasure, Dell. anytime.